I love you. Is love something you can do to somebody? An action? A verb? Or is it a noun? A person, a place, or a thing? Maybe it's all of them. If love is a verb, an action, how does someone know that they're loving? How does somebody know that they're being loved? Is it a felt sense in the body that manifests actions like patience, trust, respect, integrity, accountability, boundary setting, and compassionate listening? Does love inspire us to hold on tightly to those who do it to us? Or is that inspired by fear? Fear of losing love. Well, if love is something or someone to be lost, then it must be a noun, right? If love is someone, our twin flame, our eternal companion, then what about all the other people we say I love you to? Are we lying to them? If love is a noun, I think I'm most interested in it being a place. Not a physical place, like a safe space we go to when we want to connect with ourselves, but an interdimensional field we enter into. Love, as we've understood it as a verb, or the action of loving, is what helps us to enter into that field. Love is a quantum field. That is to say that it's not binary. You're not either in it or you're not. You can be partially in it and partially out of it. And because it's interdimensional, dealing in the realm of paradox, you can be simultaneously fully in the field of love, a reality that is always true for all of us, and partially out of it. Like the electrons, that when observed, follow a pattern, but when unobserved, embrace the chaos. I remember the first time I said I love you to a lover. I remember the thumping in my heart and the tingling in my lips. It felt like jumping off a cliff into the dark blue waters below. Why was I so afraid to say it? I think that fear bubbled up in my gut because by recognizing love as a person, I opened myself up to the possibility of losing that person and thereby losing love. If this was happening, maybe the lack of trust indicated that I didn't love them fully as a verb. Maybe I wanted to possess them. I wanted love to be a thing. Things often feel easier to lose than people. But people are not things. And love is not a thing either. I really think it's a place. A place we, and others both, consciously and subconsciously choose to enter. The most meaningful declaration of love to me isn't, I love you. It is, I am in love with you. I've never quite understood it in this way. But I think the most precise definition of love is a place. It's a field we enter into and exit out of while simultaneously always being in it. I'm an insane, sexual, shadow witch. And my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of Horpod.
I felt like I was learning while I was writing it. You know, it was like one of those things that was really writing itself as I was doing it. And I definitely feel that every time I've shared it with someone, I've been like uh, newly edified by whatever they got from it. Um, So I'm curious, like, what was something that really stood out to you or what was something not like a, a judgment that you got that it was so good, but what spoke to your heart? What did you learn about yourself? Yeah, so I think we have an addiction to possession in our culture. And I think we translate that into love pretty consistently. Or I should speak for myself. I translate that to love. So there's this addiction to possessing my lover and even like a fantasy of sexually being possessed. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of being submissive and dominated. And I think it still comes from this root of possession. Do I own you or do you own me? And I think your words just flipped me on my head because it was rather than possession. It was a place, but not a physical place. And I was like, oh, shit, like that's where you really got me Um, is the idea of this quantum field of permission of entering someone's quantum field. And with that sort of co-creation of consent of entering each other's field, that's really where love is. Mm -hmm. I do channelings and I hate the word readings for people, but lately I've just been sensing and saying a lot that like when I'm doing it, I love the person. And I kind of hate saying that because it sounds corny, But your poem made it make sense for me because they're consenting to open their energy field. And for them to open their energy field, I have to open my energy field. Mm. And we sort of combined our energy fields for that moment, for that channeling. And it's not really, honestly, it's not me reading them like a sort of hierarchy. It's us sort of rising together and combining the quantum fields and me holding space for what's coming out of their field. And to me, that's love. Wow, I really love that, especially in the psychic, um, because I feel like there are so many times where when you're doing that type of work with someone or for someone, you might say, like, you can feel both. Like, you can feel when they are really present in that work with you. Yeah. And when you're really talking to their higher self while having like an ego experience with them at the same time. Completely. That can be really, really difficult. I even feel it happening right now. Like my ego feels really strong right now. Like it wants, it wants, I want to be in love and I'm struggling at this moment. Um, Say more about that. Hmm. I think the fact that I'm being recorded right now definitely gives me that feeling of like, oh, let's say the right thing. Like, what is my um, image that I'm presenting to the world? And that puts me in a real identification with a self or a, a way of being that is appropriate. And I think also I've been sitting in this place lately of um, like when I wrote this piece, it was like, I was in love. I was in love with myself. I was in love everywhere I went. Um, and it 
it hurts to be in a, a different place now and reading it and fe- being reminded that like that that is where I once was and that simultaneously I am there right now and there's a part of me that is attached to suffering or is attached to being somewhere else at the same time. Yeah, but... I love how you're saying that simultaneously you're there right now because that timeline still exists of you being in love and why I'm so in love with poetry is because it's like a portal to go back to whatever timeline we were in at the moment. Mm -hmm. You write about love. I often write about pain, Mm -hmm. like extreme pain and rage. And sometimes when I feel like my rage has no place to go, I can dwell deep into my journals and scream a motherfucking poem that takes me into a portal of my own rage and it gives me like a means of an out with it. Yeah. And I think we can do that with love too. But why do you think you're addicted to suffering? Because you're feeling the pain of it right now? Yeah, I don't know that addiction is maybe the word that I would use, um, even though maybe it is the word that I did. Um, I think that uh, I have a pattern of suffering. It's what I've known throughout my life. Um, for whatever reason, I think I think especially um, having religious trauma, believing that like hell is where I belong and suffering is what, what comes from... Um, stepping out of the world that I was told is the right world to be in and choosing to make a new life for myself, one that's really aligned with myself. Um, I think there are parts of my little one, especially my, my little child, that um, that will get really scared and feel like like they just... They want to put the brakes on my life or they're afraid of taking any more steps forward because the, the narrative that they were told says that um, that we're unworthy uh, just as we are. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. I heard something recently and I'm going to fuck it up, but it and maybe it was in a meditation or a guided meditation. I don't freaking know where I heard it, but it was saying we only have like a small capacity to truly feel joy and to truly feel pain Mm. that part of our body's sort of trauma response or protective instincts as soon as we start feeling too much love or too much joy it's like yield hold back Mm. because there's this idea that by stepping into like bliss or joy that the you're closer to the veil of pain too Mm or experiencing too much pain, that we we do a temperature check within our own body and try to stay more on a neutral realm and means of survival. Does that make sense, Doug? It does make sense. I think the when I first started noticing stepping out of this uh, feeling of love, this feeling of being truly in love with myself, with my life, um, it was a moment where grief struck me really hard where I lost somebody who I 
didn't expect to lose just kind of all of a sudden they left my life and they didn't die but um i had to process their the loss as though they had um and i felt so deeply like more deeply than i've ever felt in that moment and actually i didn't pull back from it i was like grateful yes. you know what i mean yeah i was like i started hrt so i've been taking estrogen in like a really small dose for the last three or four months and i could feel in that moment like this estrogen coursing through my veins is allowing me like to feel the depth of my pain in a way that is no longer like that i don't have to put a barrier in front of like i'm doing right now yeah you know um, and I was just talking to a friend and just falling apart and crying. And at the same time, I could see that being like as cathartic as that was, that was a one-time experience that I allowed myself to, to feel. And I felt it a couple more times, like some aftershocks of that. But then I go back to a baseline. I go back to like, okay, I have to do regular life. Like I had to work an hour later after I found this out. Yeah. And... And I kind of, I mean, I, I was vulnerable with my client, um, but I was also like, I'm going to center you right now because that's what my work is. Um, and that was, I think that's, that's the real pitfall that I am learning right now. Just looking into your eyes, like I've been centering other people instead of myself. Um, and that's when I fell out of that experience of loving and I feel it coming back even just noticing that that's what I've been doing completely thank you for sharing that Mm. and yeah you said so much there yeah estrogen estrogen how does it feel in your veins oh my god um it feels like like free it feels um expressive and unabashed yeah um chaotic totally uh, <laughs> but yeah that i mean my line in that poem like the electrons when observed i feel like i'm observing myself when i'm focused in on the testosterone but when i am like when i am really connected with that estrogen like i feel like i'm embracing the chaos that yeah. is life the dark feminine mm-hmm. Ooh. yes i know you like are i love it <laughs> um I didn't introduce you guys. We just jumped right the fuck in, which I totally love going off the deep end. But I feel like I should say, welcome to Whore Pod. (laughs) And I am in San Francisco right now. A week and about two weeks ago now, I was just kind of feeling like, what's next? What's next? This itchiness on my skin and it's shaking in my bones. And I started searching like feminine femme gatherings or herbal gatherings. And I saw one happening in Northern California that I had never heard of before. And I was like, I'm just going. And I was like, I don't know what this is gonna be like. And I threw a bunch of shit in my car and was in Denver and went to get gas the night before. And I went up to the gas station and the sign just said out. 
like just out of gas. So I was like, that's strange. I've never seen that before. And then I went to another gas station and it said out. And then I called my friend in the next town and they were like, yeah, there's no gas here. And I was like, what the fuck? Is the world, like, really ending right now? Which is such a privileged statement, right? Like, I don't get gas once. And I'm like, it's the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> it's the apocalypse. <laughs> but it did feel a little apocalyptic. Absolutely. And I th- think all of us have been way more... I don't know if on edge is the right word because I think a lot of people have really blossomed in their art in this time and have manifested beauty. But coinciding that has been a lot of trauma and pain. And I think even if we've been manifesting art and beauty, there is an undercurrent of some PTSD in our country Mm. for a lot of individuals. Mm. So there was no gas, but I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to drive with the gas I have and just go as far as I can and hope that there's gas there. And I knew it was going to be like an off the grid gathering where I wouldn't have a phone. And I was like, what if the world really does end? Like, well, I'm naked in the forest with some femmes. And I was like, perfect. Mm -hmm. This is one of the best places to be. And I got there on the new moon and... I was doing some like blood magic that night in the forest in the dark and one of the things I was trying to invoke and call in were new artists in my life like new teachers and I was just sort of talking to spirit or my higher self And I was just like, after this sort of gathering, I'm going to blow in the wind and I'm going to trust you, wind, to take me exactly where I need to go. After the gathering, the wind was like, go to the city, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And the first place I ended up when I came to the city was a bizarre cafe because I googled open mics. A thing my guides reminded me of at the gathering is whenever you're in a new space, go straight to the poets. Go straight to the underground art. The poets know the heartbeat, the soul of the city, and you can you can hear the truth in the undercurrent of the lyrics of poetry and song. So I looked up the open mic it led me to bizarre cafe which led me to the fantabulous mans hello hi (laughs) what's up (laughs) and i saw you or i heard your poem and just was so honored to be near your energy and i fucking loved your words and i was just like yes thank you universe Oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, I felt the exact same way when I met them. I was like, oh, yes, it's... here we are. The blood magic that I was doing is manifesting <laughs> in this moment. Yes, it's so good. And the amazing mans led me to the wonderful Tanner, and I feel equally fucking blessed. We did poetry that night at the cafe, and I was a little nervous to go because it was a lot of, like, San Francisco 
masculine singing mm. sad songs about San Francisco. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so am I going to tell them about my vagina? <laughs> and I did, and it led me to you, and then you invited me to Tanner. So welcome to Horror Pod. Um, we each of you kind of tell us who you are and introduce yourself? Yeah. I would love. Um, my name is Tanner Montirith. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I am, oh, so much and so much of nothing. I'm a, like, very queer, very trans, radical living in the world. I, um, for work, I'm a sex worker. I'm a a massage therapist and, uh, like, emotional body therapist. I'm a body worker in general, so I work on the body, the energetic body, the physical body, the emotional body. And the body is like, has always been my home in this very real and weird way. Um, Like similarly to that medicine becomes the poison thing. I um, really feel sometimes trapped in my body, but also so beautifully grounded. It's a very Taurian thing. I'm a Taurus. Yeah. Um, There's energy, baby. Yeah. I feel really grateful to have that connection to my body and help other people develop that connection, especially those of us who spend a lot of times in the astral realm or leaving this body. I feel really grateful to know, like, no, I am at home in my body. My body is where I live. So that is very much my practice in the world and a big purpose in the world is to um, help people feel safe to be in their bodies and to love their body and to like feel pleasure, unbelievable pleasure in their bodies to learn to give and receive love. And I'm doing so for myself every day as best as I can. That was such a fucking brilliant introduction. Ooh, <laughs> I love I it so much. Yeah. So good. I'm Mans. I'm a poet. I love writing and just doing shadow work and like figuring out this kind of impulse that we all have towards just our desires and this entitlement and individualism and like egocentric sort of value that we hold in society and in myself also picking this up from just growing up and trying to dissect this and trying to heal that kind of part in myself that it isn't feeling the abundance and the magic and beauty around us because I feel it is there, but this sort of lack mindset that capitalism and just focusing on just the many ways that we are raised kind of in this society to just be always constantly striving and never really full. And I feel like that is work that I'm I'm trying to work on in myself and by doing that work on myself it seems to really connect with a lot of people that's just straight up me like writing and trying to heal certain parts of my brain and embodying my femininity and my sexuality and magic and focusing on myself rather than devaluing myself as like a female-bodied person which happens a lot in religion and Christianity and Mormonism and Catholicism, I'm really starting to tap into just how much power that female-bodied people can hold within them and just dissecting 
all these things that I was taught and were pushed into me and realizing how this was just society trying to control who I was becoming and it has nothing to do with who I really am. And on that journey, I'm just meeting so many beautiful people. Like I fell in love <laughs> with you instantly. I knew it. I was like, <laughs> I was lacy is, uh, I don't know, just like listening to people's poetry and like seeing when they do that work on themselves is just so healing. So I want to be able to give that to other people as well. And just your poem about your vagina, oh my gosh, in front of all these masculine, majorly white male space, it was so empowering because I almost censored that poem, but I I realized that what it, I knew what a disservice it would have been, but I'm still learning to tap into accepting all those kind of parts of myself and talking about my sexuality and these kind of things that we suppress a little bit more, but realizing the power that they can have and that healing energy is um, just so magical to me. And I love that. I want to eat. Cinnamon cake, strawberry strudels, want to consume you. Want to fill myself up consistently. The satisfaction of a refilled prescription, paycheck day, the weekend, every day. I want to be filled, and my wallet, my pussy, and especially my tummy. I don't want to be full, it's the act of filling that takes me. Like the taste in your mouth before swallowing, couldn't we taste so much more if we spit after chewing? My stomach is kind of sore from all this divulging and many tastes combining. I'm scared of sweating since what if its smells aren't satisfying to someone and I'll lose my sweet scent unsavored. Consumption is an aurora boris, but instead of moving along the snake as it eats itself, this time the snake shorts down the more it eats and its space is not made. What is it that I can create that both makes and takes at the same time? Can we make an environment that takes our waste as nourishment? Can you see my shadow work and bring that energy onto yourself without shutting down? Can you sip coffee in the morning without feeling forced to? Can I fucking love you in a way that doesn't hurt me? Can I find fondness and comfort without assumed attachment? Can I want to be full hard enough to cause it? Or will I constantly only value myself when others do? Maybe if everyone didn't need greed so bad, we wouldn't view the world so bad as a means to a solution. If I didn't see money as a solution when it's an endless goal, I wouldn't want so much. Money for honey steaks and gold flakes on cupcakes, bite-sized human emotion pills we can take, Fuck being palatable. If it means I'll finally stop wanting to eat, I'll choke up and cry instead of consume. Pour instead of swallow. I want to fill you up while staying full. If I can feel okay, maybe you'll feel okay too. When we want more, can we direct what we're reaching towards? Thanks for letting me throw up on you. There's so much to say for baby birds creating space for savoring spit sitting and taking it all in. A neck can be filled with holes, yet still hold everything. 
the cupcakes gold flakes line every know, time so we look sweet. at each other and we're like in love it's so sweet it's such yes. a fucking great poem it's honestly so easy for me to get words together that when it's about food and make mm. them like rhyme or like have the same letters or something because like i'm obsessed with food that's like, awesome yeah. i feel like i don't use food enough in my work Oof. really yeah, yeah. I recently started dating somebody who does not like food, who, like, it's not exciting to him to eat food, and I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to work out. No, food. Okay, two compatibilities for me and a partner. (laughs) What? Sorry, is it joking? I love you, Philip. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Two major compatibilities, food compatibility and music compatibility. And it doesn't mean we have to eat or listen to the same shit. But it just has to be, like, in a compatibility. And I think, like, cooking together is the hottest thing ever. I'm not even a good cook, but I love the idea of nurturing together, nurturing our bodies, nurturing each other through food together. Yeah, and being creative together, too. Oh, yes. That's a major one. Mm -hmm. That, like, just... If we can't be that, then we're nothing. So I don't even consider that one. Because I think sex energy is creative energy. Absolutely. And it's a must to have sexual compatibility. In my kitchen at home, I have an apron that says kitchen top and kitchen bottom. (laughs) That's hot. It is so hot. It (laughs) helps like to create an experience of creation where there's a clear vision and one person who actually does this person has the power in this moment. And for sure, I can take off the top apron and give it to you if you want it. It makes it clear, like, I have the vision here and I can tell you what to do. And you are, as long as you have the apron on, you are accepting that and you want that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is so good. I I feel like I need those aprons just for life. Yes. <laughs> I, I think there's sometimes... Uh, beautiful liberation and identifying and I think sometimes it it can be so convoluted and confusing oh absolutely yeah but I feel like the identifications where I found most freedom are the ones that are actually very much give you more freedom to identify differently every day yeah Um, like personally I identify as non-binary and find a lot of power in that in knowing like one day I may be like the most fabulous Barbie girl and the next day I may be like Gold's Gym Bro and I love that <laughs> about myself. Yeah. Yes. And someday I might be something on like an entirely different spectrum, being an alien or being an animal or being, you know. Fuck yes. Fuck all of those needing to be something. Yeah. Um to feel like you belong in society. Like, we just belong in our body, period. Yeah. I love how you say that. And an identity is a performance. That's a line Mm -hmm. in one of my poems. And it is a performance, but I also am grateful for the people who have to step into a certain identity right now, you know, or people who are claiming an identity strong. I think that's that's totally okay, too, if that's where a person's at. There has been times where I'm like, this is who I am. And I, like, label that out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've healed trauma by stepping into this yes. different identity box. Not knowing if I would own that for the rest of my life or the rest of the hour. 
Mans, can you tell me a little bit more about why you wanted to censor your own poem? Do you not like saying the word pussy in public? Yeah, so I I work at Bizarre Cafe. That's my job. And growing up really religious, there's a shame mindset. I'm like constantly working on just trying not to censor all the beauty that is within myself because I know that there's a lot there that I, I have no idea the unbound access or like the unlimited like beauty and power that I have learn to shame and by trying to unmask it there's still some times when I feel um unempowered and not strong enough to be sexual in this world where um in America where there's a, a rape culture um of just treating people like objects and taking advantage of people and trying to just constantly take and take and get ahead and because we have that culture, we treat people like objects and that has caused so much harm in my life of just people treating me like this way that I've internalized it and doing that work to get rid of this onto myself just because people see me that way does not mean that that's who I am is something that I'm still working on and in doing things like censoring that poem and not saying my pussy I want it to be filled like in the poem which is a, a huge part of the poem yeah it was my favorite part <laughs> it's so good yeah. <laughs> um it's it's literally just like owning that sexuality and owning these desires that I have as a female-bodied person is so healing and by not stepping into that for myself I am making it harder in a way, or I'm not empowering other people to do that as well. And by you owning your space and saying that poem about your vagina and saying it like 25 times <laughs> on stage, like I, I was just seeing the rising feminine in you and I was seeing how you taking up that space and being like, this is me being sexual with my vagina. I was just like, wow, this is this is the beauty that I I could like tap into if I respect myself and if I embrace my sexuality. Like this kind of power is like just so gorgeous and so beautiful. And I want to manifest that and help that beauty like pop the fuck off in my life. I don't want to feel censored. I want to make that space. Did Lacey perform before you or after you that evening? Before. Before. Okay. So it actually was like that inspiration, that kick in the pants that you needed. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm always really interested in that moment that you like, when you know you need to do something really badly, I wish that there was a word for it. And I'm sure like the Germans have a word for it, <laughs> but like that feeling that you have to get over, that like cliff you just yeah. have to jump off yeah. of, kind of like I talked in my poem, that like feeling of just before you say I love you to someone or just before you do the scary thing. Like how do we develop a relationship with that feeling so that we can do that more often? Yeah. We can get up and say like, my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So one of my tactics, and I'm not necessarily recommending this because I think I, by doing it this way, the tactic of pushing myself off the cliff, by doing it sort of the way I have honed in, I think I've created emotional labor 
for the people around me. Ooh, okay. Like, pretty extreme. So, mm. fair warning. Okay. Um, but I feel like it's really worked well for me. I'm just trying to weed through it so that I don't put on that emotional labor to those around me. But what I do is, like, okay, so I'm coming close to that cliff. There's that, like, thing I fucking want to do, but it's so scary and I'm trembling in my body. I allow myself to experience the absolute worst timeline of it. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is I think we're taught to avoid any negative outcome. Just think positive. Just be positive. And I flip that on its head and I'm like, no, what is the everything that could go bad in it? And not only do I like, which is so not love and light community way of manifesting. Awesome. But. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. We want more of that. But it's like. Love and shadow, please. So when I do my vagina poem, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that happened thus far is someone, a masculine choked me afterwards. And. Choked is maybe a little bit of an aggressive word, but they definitely had one hand on my throat and pushed me against the wall. Wow. And I was performing in a tutu and a bra for some reason at a place where I probably shouldn't just have been wearing a tutu and a bra, but it felt like it was a part of it that night. The costume was its own character. It's horrifying to me that there is a place where you should be in a certain outfit. And yes, I understand. Totally. Love that you did it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel like a victim even through this scenario. Hmm. Because what happened is I think that that was his for not excusing violence, but I think that was his just sort of first physical visceral reaction. And I don't think he was really conscious of what he did. So I did the vagina poem and I, it was on a stage where there were stairs and I was walking down the stairs afterwards and he was like, Lacey. And I like turned and my neck was like towards him and he grabbed my neck and just kind of like pushed me and kind of like pressed his body against mine, against the wall. And he's like, I've been hearing you do your poems for a month. And I was so mad the first time I heard them. I was so fucking mad. And this was a few years ago. And I just didn't say anything. And I feel like my hands were up a little bit. And he's like, and then he just started (sighs) weeping and bawling. And like the choke became a hug. Oh my God. (laughs) But still like hugs for me. I'm like, (sighs) and he hugged me and he was like, but now... The only words that came out of his mouth is now I can't go to parties the way I used to. And I don't, I could like infer a lot of things or what he may or may not have done at parties, but that's kind of the only words that came out. And I was sort of in like freeze, you know, fight, flight or freeze. I was just like frozen and he didn't say much and he just weeped and then literally moved on and he might've been drunk. But I think that's, like, one of the worst things that could happen. And after that happened, or even before that happened, I let myself be in the timeline of this is scary. What's bad about it? What could be bad? And for me, rejection fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so rejection is, like, the worst timeline of it. Everyone not liking me. So whenever I perform, I own nobody liking me. 
and I like sit in that space but not necessarily like in a contrarian way I don't come in trying to be super polarizing but although knowing and holding space that I may be polarizing for people and they may hate me and like literally breathing that in and feeling that hate in my body and I think there's something we I think we're way more magical than we consciously know or give ourselves credit for everyone you know Mm -hmm. maybe not everyone I do think there are a little bit some empty vessels out there but I don't think that's for me to judge I don't think magic is like a hierarchy But I think there's a way we can collapse old timelines. So by me feeling, okay, everyone hates me and like really feeling it and not Mm. suppressing it or pushing it away by feeling it, I think I collapse that and then I go up and it's like fucking fine. Right. Mm. You create a reality wherein that happened. Like you're saying you're collapsing that timeline when you accept it. You're giving it the opportunity to be true in a timeline that isn't this one. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you like hold space for the the timeline or you allow a timeline to be true, it's easier to jump like parallel timelines mm-hmm. or into another reality. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they both mm-hmm. can exist and you can dance between both of them. And I think you can like change them really fast too. Like it can be a terrible experience and then hop into a beautiful one. Oh, absolutely. We're doing it all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how I've like put that on people is. Yeah. I'm curious about the emotional labor piece that you spoke to earlier. Like when you accept the most whatever possibility that comes, it creates emotional labor for others. Say more about that. Totally. So I'll like really let my body feel it. So I feel like people hate me. Or I feel the anxiety of it. Mm. So I've like gone to partners and I'm like, I can't perform tonight. They all hate me. Everyone hates me. And and they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they'll feel this like sense of responsibility to build me up. Mm -hmm. When really I'm just like truly in my own darkness. And that's fine when I'm on my, like, island or I'm allowing myself to be in my darkness and isolation. But if I'm quarantined or with a partner right next to me, they're they're picking up on my darkness. Even if I don't just go to them and, like, I have so much anxiety about this situation. I'm sitting with them and... They can feel yeah. the anxiety. And I and I have to be careful not to do it with friends, too, because I'll be like, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. Sometimes mm-hmm. I speak out loud yeah. everything that could go wrong. And then that makes other people fucking anxious. Right. Mm. Rightfully so. Right. I think we have to, especially when we vent in that way, like we have to ask for consent. Yeah. Um, and also recognize what the tool is for. That venting tool is actually used to create a reality in which this is true so that you don't have to live it out in this one right um that well you can said. but i've had this sort of prove you love me energy yeah. prove you love me to friends to acquaintances to my job to partners and that comes from the abandonment wound you know of my parents leaving me and like being pretty blatant that they don't love me there's this constant do you love me do you love me and it can turn into such 
deep manipulation Mm -hmm. so fast. I'm curious about if you have any moments where you did feel like someone did prove it to you. Yeah. (laughs) When you said that, I felt like my whole body just sort of melted. (laughs) I had a very interesting bodily reaction when you said that. Sadly, logically, I want to say yes. Yeah, sure. But like, my body says no. Right. Like, no one's ever loved me. There's still... So that's where I think experiencing the darkest timeline can become so toxic Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you become defensive in that timeline and it's, it's really hard to put our defenses down. They, they become our greatest warrior, our greatest friend. Yeah. It's interesting for me to hear that, uh, for me to look into your eyes and you to say, no one has ever loved me and I'm sitting here in love with you. Um, you know, um, that I, I understand that that experience so deeply because I've, I've been in that shadow and understand that experience. And simply actually being in your auric field today has brought me from a space of doubting um, my own power and my own love for myself and into a space of recognizing my own power and my own love for myself. And from that space, of course, I'm in love with you. Yeah. You know, how could I not? You are me. You are that power. You are that love and i think we're looking for mommy or daddy to help like save me yeah just take away that loneliness (laughs) that's repressed in our guts like take it away please and yeah that wound will never be filled so no one can ever prove it to us yeah it will never be filled and that's what i also like about man's poem is this like Feed me, fill me up, yes. fill me up, fill me up. Yeah. And we're constantly trying to fucking fill ourselves up. Yeah. But at the same time, I just want to talk about, like, the only way I've ever felt full is, like, not with someone else. So like, true. Like, you, you cannot <laughs> find it with someone else. If you're not in tune with what's going on in your body and your needs and every single little thing that you desire or want you you can't do it like you are the only one actually that's you know is always going to be there for you and is always going to no but no matter how many times somebody else tells you that they love you and that they're always going to be there for you there's always that chance that that person might just die the next day yeah. so even if that is their intention like there is that insecurity so the only person that you can be 100% sure is there for you, even if you don't love yourself, you're, you're all you got. Well, not all you got, but you will be there for yourself through everything. So if you can't figure out, and I'm saying this for myself too, like if I forget or if I lose this love that I have for myself sometimes or don't, it's on me and... I'm the only one who can make myself feel full. Like, no matter how many beautiful people enter my life, no matter how good things go, it's my own 
state of mind and like being and obviously like it hurts to hear people like not feel fooled when you tell them you love them but I also know that that is something only they can give themselves and also if someone really loves themselves like it's so much easier to love them too yeah or vice versa as well um but also like just being more in tune with my self and being able to like change the meaning when I tell somebody that I love them it it elevates it and it makes it so much stronger when I first met you and I heard your poetry I I knew I had to tell you I loved you and I knew I loved you so strongly Mm. and I and I said that and I was I love you (laughs) I love you so much like I cannot express just the kind of healing that my body experienced just listening to your poetry and seeing who you are and seeing your heart that you just gave on stage and being like this is what i love i know this is this is something that i can connect with so deeply and just your experience no matter where you are in your journey or how in and out you go in with it like you wrote this poem about yourself at one point in stage in time and that person is always somewhere hidden somewhere bigger or smaller sometimes not but you're there it's there i am beyond thankful um there's there's like two realities happening like when you guys are talking about the concept of love i'm like fuck yes yes Go, go. This is amazing. There's a shadow side. And then, but when you look at me and you're like, I love you. There's this tightness in my body Mm -hmm. that I do with everyone. And I like even feel it in my own hands of this like, no, you don't. You know, like, Mm -hmm. no, you don't. But that's like my shit. And that's, and I've done that to the people I love the most in the world. Is there this lingering like, no, you don't or prove it. And it's fucking Mm. sick. But I think, like, not sick in a cool way, sick in a horrific illness way. It's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you grieve for all the love that you missed out on. Yeah. Um, and for the ways that you pushed it away or chose not to receive it. Totally. While also trying to give it. Totally. Mm. I know. I'm like, can I just give it? (laughs) No. No. Like, that is the lesson of the cups in the tarot. Like, how do we just give love? How do we, like, we need to give and receive. We need to know when it's like, no, my cup cannot give anymore. We need to be that queen that holds her hand over her cup and says, like, absolutely not. And we also need to be, like, the page that says, like, yes, please. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I totally saw you as the page when you did that. Thank you. I feel very page energy. End the night. That's hilarious. Uh, Yeah. It's been so fucking fun talking to you guys. (laughs) I, I just feel so blessed and lucky to have crossed your magical motherfucking paths. All from walking into a coffee shop, mm-hmm. shouting about my vagina. Yes. <laughs> and then... Best ma- connections. Yeah. And Mans, you were just so, like, confident and brave and invited me to, like, your friend's gathering over the weekend. 
and we went to the Ho, the, <laughs> the gay bar. And I have not been to a gay bar in so long. This is the White Horse <laughs> for all of those of you who want to know what it actually is called. <laughs> it's on Telegraph in Oakland. <laughs> and I danced my ass off. Fuck yeah. Yes. And I needed it. Like, Internally, I was like, why do we have to go to a bar? Can we not just sit on the floor and talk about shadow work all mm-hmm. night? Can we talk about our trauma? Yeah. <laughs> and then we went. But and that's transmuting our trauma. That's like moving so our true. trauma through our body. And it was a spiritual experience for me. I like needed that. And you guys feel like such divine teachers. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you if you want to be found? I want to be found on Instagram at mansdaart. It's M-A-N-S-D-U-H art. Fuck yes. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. Uh, it's Tanner Montheaterth, actually. My last name is Montierith, <laughs> and I did a BFA in music, dance, and theater once upon a time. So it's the name Tanner, the letters M-O-N, and usually you can find it from there. But if it's hard, then continue and write the word theater, and you'll definitely find it. Yes. I want to ask you guys, though, do you have any offerings? Do you still have your OnlyFans? Like, mm. Is there any way people can support you? Totally. Um, we're actually starting a group called the Creation Collective, which we would love to invite people to be part of if they feel like inspired by this. Um, but we are creating our own poetry and creating our own art and music and um, collaborating with one another. So it's going to be we're going to be putting out like mostly multimedia based poetry. Um, that is layered with different collaborations and we're very very excited to be like sharing all of our truth and all of our raw expression um and we'd love folks to be involved in that um i think probably reach at this point reach out to me on instagram art saves lives Mm -hmm. poetry saves lives thank you for sharing your art thank you for like opening up your fucking hearts to a stranger and connecting through poems through dance through just chatting about our trauma the first five seconds we're hanging i totally appreciate that i love you guys mm. thank you for being on whore pod bye whore pod. <laughs> <laughs> every expansion comes a contraction this is the nature and order of the universe Quite literally, the universe was created from a series of expansions and contractions that resulted in the Big Bang. With each major transformation in my life, I've seen this pattern happen as well. For me, there's a very real fear of the natural order of expansion and contraction. It whispers softly in my ear like a snake, while simultaneously wringing out my guts like a wet rag. I fear that despite all the remembering and connecting I've been doing, that inevitably I will forget and return to a space of disconnection. How do I treat this fear? Well, I suppose my first step is to accept the possibility that it could happen. From that space, I am no longer fighting it. I'm holding it. It feels so scary to do that because I feel worried that accepting the possibility is manifesting it, which In some dimension of reality, I think it is. (laughs) But there are infinite possibilities in this reality. 
accepting all of them is the key to living presently and continuing to expand. When we chase expansion, oftentimes expansions will run from us. It's like trying to hold water. We know it's going to slip through our fingers. However, when we simply allow ourselves to be as we are, fear and all, expansion comes to us like a butterfly landing softly on the rim of our glasses. Likely it won't stay forever. But there's a world in which it chooses to. I like to remain in connection with that possibility in the same way I remain in connection with the possibility of forgetting. Well, I'm not sure I like it. It's wildly uncomfortable to live in the uncertainty, but willingness to step into uncertainty is the birthplace of transformation. And I suppose I like transforming. I think it's important to recognize that in the event that I do contract and forget and disconnect, that that disconnection is within the context of time. It may be a quick remembering and a short forgetting. In fact, in small ways, this has already happened, and the new neural pathways are strong enough to bring me back to presence quickly enough that I don't get or stay triggered. This is the longest remembering I've had since childhood, and it's been birthed from love and acceptance of myself. I love you all. Bye. for listening to Horror Pod. If you want to book a reading with me, you can go to my website, laceyfree.com or follow me on Instagram at laceyisfree for more of my poetry and I'll start doing more lives on there about energy and herbs. If you have questions about herbs or about sex or your own superpowers or you want to do a healing session with me, laceyfree.com is a great place for that. If you want to support HorrorPod, I now have a Patreon. My Patreon is Lacey is free. And you can pay $5, 10 or $20. It's, it's just to pay what you can because I really want to break down hierarchy. It's just to help support HorrorPod, honestly. It's to help me make these episodes. The Patreon is more to support this. So only do it if you feel called to it. And thank you for your support. I love you. And I'm sending you all sacred fucking rage.